actually, I shouldn't just gloss over that. Bridget's been gone the last couple of episodes, broadcasting all around college hockey and beyond. Uh, Bridget, welcome back. How was your week? Busy, very busy. And um, my voice still hasn't really recovered, but it was fun. <laughs> and I have another uh, broadcast Saturday. So, yeah. And for those who don't, who weren't listening prior or weren't informed, Bridget was part of the, um, you know, in an inaugural all, all female broadcast uh, and production team during the, the Beanpot final, women's Beanpot final at the TD Garden, which is just a really, I mean, I'm not going to speak too much on it because Bridget, you were a part of it, but just a really cool um, moment for all of you involved. Yeah, we got some good feedback afterwards too, which is nice. Like sometimes we go, like at least for myself, like I go through it and I'm, I'm just like in the zone and I have no idea what it looks like or sounds like to other people. I'm just trying to like do the play by play the right way. And then I'll go back after and watch it and see like, oh, okay, yeah, that came out good. And it actually, we had the Bruins producer and and like we had all the Bruins cameramen and, and we had just a full, like a huge production and it did come out looking pretty nice. So I was happy about that and some of the stuff I've heard people say about it since then. And it was a great event, over 10,000 tickets sold for the first women's beanpot final at the Garden, which was the high, it was, the highest attendance for a women's college hockey game in New England. And I think the, the highest other than like anywhere in college hockey, other than at, at Wisconsin, which always draws the biggest crowds. Um, yeah. Wisconsin, I, I'm, Wisconsin. Unfortunately in my Terriers fell in overtime, but uh, well, still, still a cool event nonetheless. Uh, Bridget, before, before we get to our opening shifts, I mean, how was it? Um, what was it like? calling play-by-play play from from that high up at the guard. I, I think that's the furthest elevated you've been during while calling a game. Were there, were there certain challenges that you weren't expecting being that high up? Or just how was the overall experience? It's not every day anybody gets to play-by-play um, play for a game in an NHL arena. I actually had a harder time at Harvard. <laughs> I had a much harder time at Harvard because that was where the semifinal round was. And I had to do it from behind the net and that was really weird. And I had to figure out how to use my monitors and like my other camera angles to kind of like see into the corners that I couldn't see into on the opposite side. And I have good vision, but we had like, we were blocked by like the netting and like, it was like perfectly at eye level. It was awful. I had such a hard time seeing there. And then when I got to TD garden, luckily I'm there so often with Scott that I already knew that my eyes were probably going to be okay with it because I can see, you know, all the Bruins players fine. So it actually was pretty easy. I, I had an, I had an easy time with it just because um, it, it was a clean, nice line of sight. I could see both sides of the ice fine. And once I started, once I was like about like four or five minutes into it, I was like, okay, no, this is going to be fine. I'm not going to have an issue, but yeah, it's, it's not like Lowell, like Lowell, I'm nice and like up on top of, like very close and then, but it's cool doing a broadcast on an NHL rink for the first time. And, uh, you know, I would love to go do an NHL game there at some point, but it's a good, uh, nice step here and definitely like checks off a bucket list thing, like do a broadcast at TV garden. So. Yeah. Hopefully we hear you calling a Bruins game soon. That would, that would, that would be, that would be the ultimate, mm-hmm. the ultimate, uh, showdown. Just get me but, in there. Yeah. Sophia, Sophia said she'd, she'd try to pull some strings. <laughs> nice. And she, I'm, by the way, she's like the nicest person ever. <laughs> she's like, like borderline too nice. Like, I, I don't even know how she pulls it off. Those, those Canadians. I know. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly what it is. 
Um, Were you in the same booth that Jack and Brick? Yeah. I assume. Yeah. So you can see like Jack's bags of uh, coins that won't get tossed. And And cans of corn that were stacked up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, Yeah. uh, So, so let's get right into the opening shifts. The Bruins had an exciting overtime win over the Senators last night in Ottawa. Brad Marchand stays, stays hot. So does Trent Frederick. Um, yeah, let's jump right into the opening shifts. Yeah, so my opening shift is about Brad Marchand uh, and that overtime winner, um, which came on a nice two-on-one, just held, beat uh, Eunice Corposalo with a snapshot. And it was his 396th career goal, which moved him one ahead of Ray Bork for fifth on the Bruins' all-time goals list. He's only six behind Rick Middleton, so that's He'll be up in fourth soon. Um, and if you look at it, like he could catch Bergeron next year, possibly, maybe Esposito the year after. Um, you know, he's going to – he's almost certainly going to end up top two or three because eventually Pasternak will join him as well. Um, but also, this was Marchand's 24th goal of the season. He had 21 all of last year. He's on pace for 40 goals, actually 41 to be exact. Um, His career high is 39. He's never had a 40-goal season, and he's doing this at age 35 and in his first season without Bergeron as as his regular center. It's it's really impressive, and I didn't, you know, going back, I didn't even think Martian got off to the best start this year. It took a while for him to develop chemistry with really any of the other centers, which you know, it was natural. You played 12 years with Bergeron. It's not, not going to be the easiest transition to someone else. Um, but he has chemistry with Coyle right now, for sure. Whether it's Pasternak on their right, which is what it's been the most recently, or Frederick getting bumped up or DeBrusque at one point. Uh, those two in particular are clicking. Marchand had both goals in, in the comeback uh, against Carolina. On Wednesday in the third period, again, the Bruins eventually lost, but they came back from 2-0 down to tie it in the third. So he's he's been on fire up to five goals in the last four games. And it's just I, – I remember we had talked before the season, and one of my big questions for this Bruins team was, like, is Martian just going to continue to be good, or is he going to get back to being elite now a, a full – year removed from that double hip surgery. Well, he's, he's looking pretty damn elite right now. Like it's, um, it's, it's a great season that he's putting together. So that's a, that's my opening shift. And mine is yours. Bridget, you want to next? Yeah. Yours is a positive one. Mine, not so much just because, um, we got late news that Weatherspoon was going to be in for Shattenkirk. Um, in the game against Ottawa and Shattenkirk has been scratched a few times recently. So, um, you know, he, he's be, now that Forbert is back, Shattenkirk has been kind of right on the, the borderline of the top six defensemen. And it looks like Weatherspoon is getting the nod instead of him. Um, I will get to this like more in depth later, but he seems to maybe be now considered the seventh defenseman, but he's right on that borderline of the sixth or seventh defenseman now. So for him, he's got to find a way to 
to make his way back into the lineup, but we can, we can get into our thoughts on the defense later, but just wanted to point that out that Chattenkirk has been scratched quite a few times. Um, and it coincides with, um, people getting healthy on defense. So, and that's without Laura up, like Laura has already been sent down to Providence over a week ago. So, um, yeah, things, things not looking good for Shattenkirk currently, though. Uh, I still think he's a good defenseman. He just finds himself pushed down the depth chart. Well, I, I also, I wonder if he might be dealing with something because Montgomery had said pregame that they had a couple of guys dealing with something. They had to see how they felt in warmups and Lauko ended up as a scratch up front and I'm, I mean, he's been playing great recently, so I'm assuming he was one of the guys dealing with something. doesn't seem to be too serious, but I I wonder if it was Shattenkirk on defense um, because I I was a little surprised that Forbert played both nights of a back-to-back just coming back from his groin injury, and he only played, I think, 11 minutes, and they barely even used him on the penalty kill, which is obviously usually a strength, or I guess he ended up at 13, but... um, they barely used forward on the penalty kill, which is obviously usually a strength. So there was clearly like some minutes of management going on there. And I wonder if the original plan might've been forward being scratched, but I don't, I don't think Montgomery was asked about that after the game, at least from anything I saw. So uh, I guess we, we don't really know, but yeah, there is definitely some sort of rotation going on there. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was just a little bit banged up, just based on him having to play a lot during the time that Forbert was out and Carlo was out for a chunk there. So, um, yeah. For me, my opening shift is it's regarding Trent Frederick. And I also think it kind of can spawn into a more subjective discussion about um, the Bruins seventh player award winner uh, at the end of the season, which, which goes to basically the player that goes above and beyond expectations. Um, now, this Bruins team, I think, has a lot of lot of potential candidates. There's a lot of good stories on this team this year. Uh, if you want to talk about, and again, if these players I'm about to mention have a continue to have a good second half, right, or even better than their first half, but like nobody, most people didn't really know who Matt Potra was, let alone think he was going to make the team as a seventeen as a nineteen year old and contribute. Um, Danton Heinen signs a PTO. Um, and then signs a contract after the regular season begins. He's a middle six contributor for this team. Um, James Van Riemsdyk is uh, tied. I want to say uh, he's tied for f- – he is fifth on the team in scoring. Um, he was a bargain free agency signing with, um, you know, some 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 mileage under him, and he's had a good season. Um, Charlie Coyle, people will sit there and say – Potentially, well, how can how can your top center be a, a seventh player award candidate? Well, when he was a historic third line center in the league, that's impressive. Um, but for me, and Morgan Geeky is another one, like just steadily, he's another good, good, good contributor. There's a lot of good stories. That said, Trent Frederick, just he comes to the front of my mind and, and I'm not alone. And I, 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 I pose this question to to people on Twitter yesterday about like halfway through the year where, where they think the, this, this award should go to. And there were a lot of people saying the names I just said, but the most one that was mentioned was Trent Frederick. And I actually agree. And my question for you guys is for my opening shift is has his ceiling 
in your mind changed as an NHL player? I know earlier this year we talked about maybe after after last year he could be you know, he, certainly a third liner in the NHL, but Scott mentioned how he's already kind of playing a second line role because this team is just kind of balanced. But he's starting to seem like a player that has legitimate top six forward potential in this league year in and year out in a power forward role. And there's numbers to back up what he's done this year. And, and, and But I'm, I want to get your guys' opinion before I, I, I throw those out. But just your thoughts on Trent Frederick and how has his ceiling changed as a player in your mind uh, right in front of your eyes this year? Yeah, he just keeps pushing it higher. I mean, he's getting consistently better every year. And, you know, last year he is a breakout season where he get, ends up with 17 goals. He already has 14 this year, and there's still a game to go before the All-Star break. He has 14 assists. He already tied his career high. I mean, he's on pace for 24 goals and 48 points. Like, to to your point, that's that's legit middle six production. Like, now we're not just talking about third-line production. You're talking about middle six. You're talking about a guy who has driven the third line when he plays there and also helps the first or second line when he gets bumped up like he did – in the third period against Carolina, he gets bumped up with Coyle and Marchand and sets up both of Marchand's goals. So he's he's moving around. He can play either wing. He can play center. Um, and, yeah, like I, you see that and you're like, oh, okay, so I guess now he's a mid-20 goals, around 50 points guy. And it's like, well, what if he keeps pushing up from that? Like what – he's that this year. What if next year he's 30 goals, 60 points? Like – I don't think you can really rule anything out for him right now because there's still, he's on that steady incline where he clearly hasn't topped out yet. I think what's cool about how he's done it too, is just that he's done it from every single position you could possibly put in. He's been able to handle and it, it, it shows you he's probably, I would say he's probably the most versatile player on the team in terms of you tell him, okay, you're playing center tonight. You're playing wing tonight. Like, Zaka is probably up there too, but Zaka doesn't fight and Zaka is not going to play fourth line minutes. Like Frederick has gone, played on pretty much every line this year and he seemed to work well with everyone. And that's not something that we were saying two years ago, three years ago. I mean, there were, there were not that long ago when we first started the podcast, uh, his situation was like, we weren't sure he was going to make the Bruins out of camp. And now you're looking at him and you're like, okay, well he's clearly found uh, his confidence in the NHL, he's he's found a way to impact the games in all sorts of different ways. Um, hey, who knows? He might start seeing more power play time now. We've seen him do that a little bit. So um, I just think it's cool how he's done it because he's such a good team player. All the guys like him and are very happy to see the numbers that he's putting up and and kind of all believed in him this whole time because they they knew more, before we did kind of what, he, what he's like um, and what he could do. So it's nice to see him get that reward with the goals and, and see his production step up. And you wonder what his role might be next year, because we've been talking about, you know, the Bruins need to add a top six winger. Um, maybe at some point in the future, we're not seeing something like that with Frederick around. Like maybe one at some point in the future, we're like, well, no, like just put Frederick there. Yeah, and, and Scott, you mentioned it last night online, uh, 15 points in his last 17 games, seven goals, eight assists. And, you know, not only does that speak to consistency, but 
I think like when you mentioned what his, his, his season ending projections, um, I kind of take that with a grain of salt because I feel like once you kind of get going in this league, it, you you really get going and, and like his confidence is there now he knows he can do it and i'm not saying that that confidence wasn't totally there earlier in the year i just think there's a difference between trent frederick on the ice right now than there was in october november and i think he's been playing great all year but from a scoring perspective once you start scoring it's you know i think that bar elevates for you so i could see him just continuing to maybe not score on a you know 15 point 17 game pace but like I think, I think he could probably, I think he can keep climbing is my point. And what's awesome to see is the way he's scoring goals. Like he's scoring goal, goal scorers goals. Like that goal he scored against Detroit, um, maybe about a month ago when he challenged Ben Sherratt to a fight right afterwards was an amazing backhand goal. Um, and he kind of like, I feel like that, that goal is like kind of has like propelled him. Um, but last night against Ottawa, receives a pass at the blue line, takes two steps in, snaps one top shelf. Like that's a that's a goal scorer's goal. Not a lot of not a lot of uh, guys in the NHL, you know, can 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 score on a shot like that from that far out and beat a goalie clean. That's impressive. It's, it's what's shots like that is what separates David Pasternak um, from I like was other. Say, well, there's, 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 like a, there's a million things that separate him, but. Like that's that's a that's a the kind of goal Pasta scores and not the kind of goal Trent Frederick was scoring earlier in his career. By the way, speak speaking of a Frederick Pasta comparison, they are tied in five on five points per sixty minutes. Only Charlie Coyle's more in the Bruins. I looked this up last night. There's three hundred seventeen forwards in the NHL who have played four hundred five on five minutes this season. Trent Frederick is 40th in points per 60 minutes. Like, if you just think about that from a league with 32 teams, for him to be 40th in five-on-five mm. five scoring, like, that's – it's just a testament to to how good he's been. Because, again, Bridget mentioned the power play. Like, on the season, he still has gotten very little power play time overall. Like, all of – just about all of his damage comes five-on-five. Five. Um and yeah, like that shot, like that's, that's someone who's just feeling confident. And, you know, like you mentioned about how you can just get on a roll. Like, yeah, he's, he's attacking, he's going middle, he's taking his shots, he's picking spots like that. I mean, that was just the goal scorer's goal. That's, you know, it's a great shot. Like he uses the defenseman as a little bit of a screen and just snaps in top corner. I think it was a little bit posting in like, yeah, it, it, it's 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 not just the it's not even just the shooting, right? It's 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 the skating with the puck on his stick, making plays. It's his passing. Everything has just, I mean, and again, it hasn't been an overnight switch that flipped, right? Like he had a good year last year, okay? Like let's not let's not act not not that you guys are, but I don't want to act like I didn't think the player was already on a, on an upward tra- trajectory. He was, but but he's making a significant difference this year where I look at this, I look at, I look at him in the past and I saw a player. I look at him now, the way he's been playing and I see a difference maker, his size and his ability um, to control the puck and protect the puck and make plays and use his, use his long stride. Now that he's putting it all together, dare I say, 
it's like it's like a, he's a first round talent, right? So it's like you're you're seeing that come to fruition now. And not every first line ta- uh, first round talent is a you know an NHL All Star, but um, yeah. So kudos to him. Absolutely. And not every and not every first line talent that gets put in a fourth line role for several seasons finds a way to get out of it when that's not the game that they're used to playing. Like he was able to carve himself out a role, a completely different role. And then build on all of those other things we were talking about that make him a difference maker now. Like he was able to solidify a spot in the lineup by being tough and by grinding it out and just being defensively sound. And then he started adding and showing the other things that he could do. And it's not always easy to climb your way out from I'm a tough guy grinder, fourth liner to okay, now I'm, you know, third line center when I started as a wing. And now like, maybe you can throw me in the top six. And um, he's, he's done it just like piece by piece, putting the work in and, and sticking with it. It It's crazy that he was a healthy scratch on opening night just last season. And if you remember at the end, he was a healthy scratch in two playoff games too. Like once guys came back into the lineup, Bergeron and Krejci, uh, and, you know, obviously they had added guys, guys with the Bertuzzi and Hathaway. Like, he, he got shuffled out. And it's, like, obviously that's not going to happen now. It's like he's such right. a fixture in their middle six now. It's, you know, crazy to think that just last year, just not even 12 months ago, he was still getting scratched at times. Like, that's – and, you know, I, I remember wondering at the time, like, would that – going into a con- – contract negotiation like would that have soured any feelings and and it didn't he made it clear he wanted to stay and they they get close to arbitration but end up getting a deal done before they got there and that deal looks like a steal now two years 2.3 million dollars a year like not only great value this year but next year as well yeah i mean there there was a play last year where it kind of like woke him up like in general, it was against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Somebody's, I forget who it was, but somebody on the Rangers stepped up and, you know, greenlit open ice hit Frederick and it kind of started like a bit of a melee. He ended up fighting Barclay Goudreau. And I feel like that moment just kind of like woke him up. And then it's ever since then, it's been, you know, gradual. And I didn't love him getting scratched last year in the playoffs. I didn't. No. Um, but, you know, definitely not going to happen anymore. And you mentioned the power play. I think the I think power play time is the, the next thing on the horizon for him, like I, with his size and his shot, um, I could see him being an effective player in the bumper too, or at least net front, um, something to consider going forward. But, um, he had that's a probably net front goal on the power play one time, but like one of the very few times so... he played on the power play, he had that net front goal. Mm. Yeah, no, that was a nice move. Like showed yeah. showed good hands. 